0: Gather your gear, it's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting and a strange encounter. Climb a boat, a cryptid camper, if you're brave. Take it away shay
1: we're back live in our cryptid camper i'm shay and i'm here with my good friend tom and we'd like to thank you for joining us for season three episode one of scare your pants off our american road trip in today's episode we've set up camp in oregon how you doing tom
2: i am really really good how are you
1: I'm really happy to be back in the cryptid camper. I didn't realize how much I missed this until we started researching it again.
2: Same, same. This was, it was so fun getting back into it. Uh, and it just, uh, uh, yeah, just doing the research. I was just, oh man, I was having so much fun getting back into this. I, you, you again, you, like you, I, I forgot how much, how much fun I had doing this. And, uh, Yeah, Oregon's a really, really, really fun state to start on, too. It was uh, very fortuitous or whatever that this was the the first one.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely missed it. And um, it's it's funny because, like, I I never would have thought, like, oh, cool, Oregon, what a cool state. I don't really have a big opinion about Oregon because I don't know anything about it. But researching these states, I get a whole new... Respect for them all the time, every time. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by every state that we stop in, and it's so interesting. And Oregon is no exception to that.
2: Yeah. So what's new?
1: <sighs> well, I feel like so. Have you watched Cocaine Bear yet?
2: <laughs> I did, and I fucking love it. And uh, it, it's it was so much fun. It, I, I mean, I wish it was an hour longer just because I was having so much fun watching it. It's it, every everything I look for in a campy movie. Everything, and mm-hmm. it, it, I I loved it. I loved that she, uh, Elizabeth Banks, the director, you know, producer, all that. She just embraced the campiness to it, and I love that. It's uh, yeah, so good. Yeah. All the performances mm-hmm. are are so good i mean it just um, yeah yeah, i guess enough good good things about it
1: well it's funny because it's it's obviously it's very loosely based on something true that happened but like the actual event a bear got a hold of cocaine how is that not campy like that's screams campy i'm so glad someone took it and was like yes i mean you hear what we're saying here a bear took cocaine so and he went on a hunt for it so i mean yeah, yeah i'm glad someone embraced the natural camp obviously bad things happened when that happened but like <laughs> there was definitely like an under an underbelly of camp in there already naturally so i'm glad someone was like yeah let's do this
2: yeah, exactly. Because sometimes with campy movies, like they're not meant to be campy, or the you know, or like the director doesn't see it as campy and it comes out as campy. Where this was, like you said, even the concept is just kind of camp, but it's you know, based on a loosely based true. And uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's it was so good. I had so much fun watching that. It's uh, very very fun. Now, have you watched? scream i have not yet but i i plan on either tonight or tomorrow the new scream
1: i have and I was, okay so i'm not going to spoil anything um i will tell you i knew within the first really not very long into the movie um who, who the guilty party was without giving a lot of detail um it was kind of obvious it was a little weird not having Nev Cannibal in it, and they they kind of played it in a weird way. Um, you'll see that obviously uh, as to why she wouldn't have come back and helped um but I mean Jenna Ortega is seriously the most adorable person in Hollywood right now, and I don't care what anybody says and she was great uh the girl who played her sister was great I mean everybody was was good in it it was just. I'm going to watch every scream movie cuz it's a scream movie honestly but I think I think where I not already a scream fan I I don't know that I would keep coming back after this one.
2: I I'm looking forward to it. Okay, that's good to know. I am I like I said it's like it's scream so I got to watch it regardless of what I mean, but it's uh yeah, you know. ahead. It's,
1: it's weird without Dewey. Like it's
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, I love Dewey. Dewey yeah he's he's definitely a staple i'm sure they're gonna try to find a way to get him back in later movies somehow i mean maybe i'm wrong but i just you know it's
1: it's we don't know
2: yeah it's and it's a horror franchise they always they always uh find a way or not always but they seem to find ways to bring people back sometimes for good a lot of times for bad but it's uh yeah i am uh I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it so actually i'm just thinking about this so i don't really i haven't really been following too much but there's that writer strike in hollywood uh, right now and i wonder how this is going to affect stuff because the last writer strike actually created that was the advent or the creation of reality tv afterwards that was when survivor and and though i mean yeah you had i think real world and stuff pre that but it wasn't like reality tv as we know it where every show is because at the time the writers were on strike for a long time so there wasn't people really creating too many just shows it was just a lot and actually you <laughs> you could kind of tie back the uh the writer strike and reality TV, The Apprentice, Donald Trump becoming president—it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy if you follow it back that way. Um, and no, that's not the only reason Donald Trump became president or anything like that. But The Apprentice definitely brought him back into the mainstream because in the '80s, you know, he was mainstream and Fresh Prince and all those shows. So, but anyway, my—I'm just a little worried about movies uh go and now in T V shows if this writer strike goes on for a while. And uh the reason it made me think of it is because I guess some of these guys on the picket line have been talking about Jenna Ortega and tweeting about her because she made those comments um about wednesday that how she changed some lines because it didn't feel true to the wednesday character and she was like mm-hmm. she had said stuff like i, I was uh, almost felt like i was being unprofessional telling the writers and stuff that i can't do that line like that because that's not true to the wednesday character and now they're like well jenna Ortega, you know they're tweeting out she couldn't rewrite anything without writers and all this stuff so <laughs> that's why my brain went there in the first place when you brought up jenna ortega
1: so yeah and that and that is scary okay hear me out i think i have a solution
2: oh okay good
1: i'm gonna solve all of the world's problems right now Writer strike (laughs) yes it's it's awful it's sad it's whatever um i feel so do you remember wayne's world but do you remember the show in Wayne's world, like the little cable access TV, whatever,
2: mm-hmm.
1: hear me out. I feel like, um, I feel like Keanu Reeves should do something like that. Maybe like a Bill and Ted kind of feel to it. Yeah, I know, I know it's crazy, but hear me out. Something like that. Cause who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? I feel like Keanu Reeves is, Good for the soul, he's good for the anxiety, he's just good for humanity. Now, flash forward a little after this whole Bill and Ted cable access, quote unquote, whatever kind of fun thing. And then all of a sudden, Keanu Reeves is like, wait a minute, I can do John Wick 5 without writers? Hold on, hold my beer. And then John Wick 5 comes out and it's just him and like maybe a couple other people, but it's just him. And now he's being badass alone and everyone's gonna watch it because who doesn't love keanu reeves then fast <laughs> forward again to uh, you know not the next but the one after presidential election you know who i'm voting for
2: <laughs> i love it
1: you know, i love so it Single-handedly saved hollywood keanu reeves
2: president Ke- i would vote for keanu reeves i mean he is seriously probably i mean like from what everything i read the nicest guy in the world i mean gives out hundred dollar bills to homeless people and stuff it's he's you know i i love it I i i i am right there with you on that <laughs> that would be great
1: it <laughs> was a far way to go but it's okay it's um well actually i guess speaking again also of writers uh we are uh season three episode one obviously so this is the episode after our little story and um for anybody listening uh we do hope you enjoyed it and um you know i hope i hope you listened to this episode without fear that it was going to kill you because it's not going to kill you that was just fun and um (laughs) Yeah, but Eric, That's
2: yeah. No, that's my that's, yeah. I hope they. I think they'll really like it. That was a lot of fun. Um, I'm actually going to re-listen to it too. Just doing that show. I I loved that sort of. I love that old radio feel to it, and it really did have that. With the with even the, uh, the sound effects and just the the people in it. It was. Um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. So uh, I'm sure i'm sure our fans and others are going to enjoy that because i enjoy it (laughs) all right
1: all right well would you like to dive in to our very first um cryptid of our season
2: time
0: for the cryptid
2: Yes. Oh my god. So again, this was so much fun and I know we say that a lot, but it was really fun getting back into this guys and um Oregon was just the perfect state to start with because it was uh there's just so much going on uh with cryptids, strange encounters, haunting everything. Uh, so much going on in this in this state. And for cryptids, I mean, I had a tough time choosing because there was just so many awesome ones uh you have, they have colossal Claude, they have sasquatches they have bat squatches they have lake monsters and lake dragons and thunderbirds and dogmen and, and they have the black-eyed children which if you are a fan of ours you know that uh, how creeped out i get by creepy children and stuff almost picked the black-eyed children um was very close but there wasn't a lot to the story so um I went with something else, and I I it was vaguely for the name was vaguely familiar to me. I I I'm, I was positive that we didn't talk about it, but I recognized the name um, Tata Clea. Have you heard of them?
1: So it's funny because the name is super familiar, but I feel like I feel like a lot of cryptids it may linger into other states as well. So I feel like it may have been on one of the lists of this state has this and this and this, but I don't believe we actually talked about it.
2: Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It was probably on one of those, because it was just familiar to me. The, the name was familiar to me. The Tata is a creature found in the mythology of the First Nations Yakima tribe that lives on the border of Washington and Oregon. It is said to be an owl-witch hybrid or combo that lures people away from their camps to eat them. They are said to be especially fond of eating and devouring children yes apparently children taste better to the Tataklia. they are also said to be able to mimic the voice of the tribes men and women this is how they are able to lure people away uh sometimes it's you know call them out and it sounds identical to the tribe's people so according to the mythology And I'm going to be, um, in uh, in this next section, some of this is gonna be like verbatims from a indigenous person um, retelling to a reporter uh, some of the mythology of the Tata Kleob. And uh, this uh, took place in 1918. So uh, when they were speaking to the reporter. According to the mythology, before the tribes lived peaceably in this country, before the last creation, there were certain large people that ate natives whenever they could get them. They preferred and hunted children as better eating. These people, the Tataklia, were taller and larger than the common human. They ate every bad thing, such as frogs, lizards, snakes, etc that the Yakima would not eat. Yeah, so it was almost like a harmonious relationship here. It was, you know, that they were eating what the Yakima wouldn't eat, snake stuff, you know, for whatever reasons, either it's not good eating or their beliefs, but the Tata would. So it's kind of like uh, nature. They also spoke the Yakima's language so that they could fool them. Originally, there were five, five of them, all sisters. But at the last creation, they came up only in California for some reason. Two were seen there, two tall, big women that lived in a cave. Then, one time, the Shastas, a neighboring tribe, were digging roots and camping in the area. They knew the Tatakliya were near and not too far. They were careful, but the Tataklia, a cagey, And crafty creature managed to capture a little boy but he was not to be killed and eaten rather they were going to raise this boy up and have him live with them the boy thought he would be dead soon as he knew the stories of these creatures but days passed and he remained alive so one day when they were out of sight, presumably hunting, the boy ran. He ran and ran, traveling over and through rough and wild places until finally he reached his people. He told them the, the story, the ordeal of what happened. And um, yeah, they got out of there. So many years later, the Tata Kliya were destroyed all that is known about why is that their cave became red hot and then exploded many tribes people think or attribute this to a higher power the creatures were never seen again but are still talked about as the most dangerous beings to ever walk this earth one of the other five sisters was drowned Uh, there's a few different stories or legends as to why and how that happened, but it said that she had drowned. And this is from this sister. It is said that from her eye, all owls are created. Yes, they took her eye or some he took her eye and all owls were created from her eye. The person that killed her said to her. From now on, your eye will be the only part of you to act. At night, it will go to certain birds, the owls. So that's pretty much it. Um, Oh, I did want to mention. So um, in many, many indigenous and Native American cultures, the owl does represent death, so sort of makes sense. Now, you know, you take her eye, created all owls. She died, you know, and then they took the owl, so made the owl. So yeah, so that is what I have for the Tata Clea and the Argon Cryptid.
1: We are officially one cryptid in, and I've still not made a tie to the Wendigo.
2: <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about that yet either.
1: Oh, I did. I've been thinking about it, <laughs> but it's fine. Um. <laughs> okay. Well. Have you got anything else on the Gumbaro?
2: Nope, that's all
0: I got.
1: All right. Well, I'm gonna dive into the haunting.
0: Time for the haunting.
1: It's not a super long one, and it's not like the scariest one we've ever heard of, but it has one key factor that made me pick it over everything else in Oregon. And genuinely Google haunted places in Oregon, because there's there's so many it's cemeteries, roads, mansions, it's so many things. And it's really, really cool. But today I'm going to talk about Oregon state hospital. I still feel weird saying Oregon, and I know that's not wrong, but I do. I feel like my face feels weird saying it, but it <laughs> feels weird saying Oregon too. So I'm not going to win either way here, but I feel <laughs> weird. <saying it. laughs> All right. So. The Oregon State Hospital, in its current location, uh, began building in 1881 and finished in 1883. It was built for $184,000, which translates roughly now to $5,351,114, roughly. I say roughly, but that is a weirdly specific number, I right know. <laughs> uh by 1981 there were 478 male and 212 female patients so this is less than a decade after its opening uh and that number was growing so much that they would eventually have to put additional wings on um the hospital infirmary was completed in 1892 and by 1896 the most common causes for insanity yes i said the most common causes for insanity which are gonna blow my mind and probably be a cause of my insanity right now um were epilepsy intemperance masturbation and and religious paranoia what okay i know i'm so glad that medicine and mental health has come as far as it is has but oh my god back then come on i don't blows my mind
2: but (laughs) that is so funny i know i i love thinking back to some of those things like what are you in the asylum for melancholia so you're sad sometimes
1: (laughs) men were able to put Their wives Mm -hmm. in institutions for anything and in hysteria, you know where hysteria originates from, so that's insane. It is is. again, I'm so glad we've come as far as we have because that's not okay.
2: (laughs) No, not in any way. (laughs) Uh,
1: by 1900, uh, two women's and four men's wards were added. since its opening, uh, five thousand and forty-six patients were treated. Uh, twelve hundred and forty-three were released as recovered. Uh, one thousand fifty-one were just called improved. So I don't know if that means they stayed in the hospital, but they were okay. I'm not sure where that is. And one thousand and fifty-eight actually died in the hospital, which is sad, but not shocking considering all of the treatments. So yeah. A narrow railway and tunnel system uh, were used to transport patients out of the view of the public. It would transport patients from one wing to the other for treatments or whatnot, um, so the outside world didn't have to see it happening, which is kind of sad, actually.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: Now, in November 18th of 1942, there was a mass poisoning. Never heard of that before, but it was a mass poisoning, and mm-hmm. I don't see anything that says it was deliberate. But honestly, it's a little, it's a little wishy-washy to me. So I don't know. Hmm. Um, it occurred at dinner time when instead of powdered milk, sodium fluoride was used instead. Do you know what sodium fluoride is? No. It's commonly used to kill cockroaches.
2: And that accidentally got used instead of powdered milk?
1: I'm really glad you said that because, yeah, it's I find that I, that's a that's a big mistake. That's I mean,
2: did it did they keep like the cockroach killer right next to the milk in the fridge and uh, just was like, oops, I grabbed the wrong one. I, that's so- yeah huh yeah that's Maybe
1: in the that smell issues. I feel it has to be there has to be a smell or something that you would know something was wrong or
2: yeah that's very <sighs> very strange
1: yeah well so from that 467 people fell ill and 47 died considering the population of that hospital as horrible as that is that number is not nearly as catastrophic as it could have been so it's it's horrible but it really could have been far more detrimental now as the hospital grew overcrowding became a very big issue now fun fact before i keep moving on in 1975 do you want to take a guess as to what movie might have been filmed here filmed here
2: oh gosh um i am not sure
1: one flew over the cuckoo's nest
2: duh obviously it's one of my favorite films too yep
1: now some of the treatments at this facility again back when this was like in its heyday treatments were not very ethical they and it wasn't just this place it was many facilities across the world who really just hadn't grasped mental health and like how to actually treat certain things even just right you know you're all over health so again very glad we've come as far as we have but amongst the treatments were electroshock therapy which i believe is in some magnitude still used today but not nearly as
2: yeah it's not used like it was then it, it, it's used differently I, i'll just leave it at that because i don't want to get too, too into the weeds on it and stuff so yeah
1: Um, Another thing was uh, the castration of gays, the sterilization of epileptics, and what they named uh, eugenics. Do you know what eugenics are?
2: I do, actually, and it's it's disgusting, and the Nazis were big on eugenics.
1: So, for anybody who doesn't know, eugenics is the forced sterilization of anybody exhibiting an undesirable trait no matter what it is it doesn't matter anything undesirable you were castrated for it so you couldn't pass that gene on uh lobotomies were also very big back then and hydrotherapy which is essentially just water torture with various temperatures of water which is terrifying
2: it's awful awful
1: yeah no yeah the claims in this hospital are not unlike really any other uh you have in the children's wing youthful chatter whimpering and childlike sounds really uh, can be heard there's shadow play movement footsteps and maybe like what sounds like a cart being pushed or moved in the tunnels can be heard you hear crying uh just almost like a doctoral chatter with that's a little unaudible, groaning, just normal sounds, nothing too catastrophic, but why I picked this is not because of a haunting, believe it or not, but it's because of something that this hospital had that I had not heard of another hospital having. It doesn't mean they don't have it, but it's the first one that I've heard, and it is a museum today, and I'm not sure that this room is still here, but I believe it might be. There's a room that they called the Room of Forgotten Souls. And it houses 3,600, or housed, 3,600 copper urns filled with patient remains that were never claimed.
2: Wow. That's, wow.
1: Yes, that's that's all I have for the hospital, but what what are your thoughts?
2: Oh, my God. Dirty. I mean, obviously, that place is going to be haunted. All that, like, with... 30, I mean, everything that happened there, you know, all that that negative stuff that happened and then 3600 unclaimed and who knows how they died was a painful death. I mean, all that sadness, all that negative energy. I mean, it's it, I mean, it. no wonder the place is. Uh, you know haunted i mean I, I i'm surprised there's not like more poltergeist activity with all that you know because presumably all, uh, are a, a a large percentage of the deaths were women as well so it's um yeah i mean it it, it makes a hundred percent and we see that a lot with these asylums and in institutes just because of their horrific conditions and the horrific you know methods and everything like that, that there's just uh, tons of negative energy trapped in these places. So um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, great choice. I mean, it was super, super interesting. And it's like, I I, I'm I'm fascinated by asylums. But then as I as I either listen to somebody talking about it or reading them, like, my blood starts to boil at just these methods and things that they did to people in these uh in these uh, silos it's uh, it's awful awful yep i agree <sighs> all right so, great choice though great choice thank you
1: yeah. well would you like to move on to uh the very first strange encounter of
2: season three
0: time for the strange encounter
2: Sure, yeah. So, again, this was fun. There's a lot to choose from. I mean, it's, uh, Oregon's is number two in the nation for UF sightings and alien sightings. Um, You know, they just have a lot. And it's anywhere from, you know, just seeing a light or a a dish-shaped thing in the sky to I read one where it was actually a guy was out in the woods looking up towards the mountain side and saw an elk being levitated up into a spaceship so they it really runs the gamut of um these sightings and encounters but i uh i choose i chose one just there was it was very interesting to me and then the witnesses were police officers and stuff so um I, I, I'm gonna guess you probably haven't heard of it. I had never heard of it, um, but have you heard of the 1981 St. Helens sighting? Yeah. Nope, I have not. I hadn't either. So in the early hours of a cold, misty morning uh, of the cold, misty morning of March 17th, 1981, St. Helens Police Department Sergeant Russell Yocum reported something strange at 403 am yokum was patrolling highway 30 west of the columbia river when he spotted a bright light moving east towards the portland airport at first he at first yokum thought it was a plane's landing lights i mean they were so close to the airport that made sense but. After a few moments, he realized the light was way too bright to be a plane's landing light. It was so bright that it lit up the river like the sun was coming up. But it was only 4.03 a.m., much, much too early for sunrise. So now at this point, he's convinced that the light's not a plane or any other known aircraft. So come radios headquarters and then heads to the county courthouse to the to view the UFO from the banks of the Columbia River The, count, the county courthouse is very close to the river. Um, a few locals and two Oregon State Police officers. Ricky Cade and Tom McCartney joined them there yokum then got in contract in contact with his friend and truck driver donald lucky 13 that's his uh, handle as a truck driver what he uses uh when he's talking on a cb askins and he got in touch with them via C- cb radio uh so lucky live lived across the river in ridgefield washington and not uh You know, he called him to see if he had seen it, you know, seeing what he was seeing. And not only did Lucky see it, he could actually hear it as well. He claimed or reported that he heard an extremely loud intermittent noise that sounded like a power plant diesel motor. So very loud. And a loud, weird screeching sound in between that diesel motor sound baffled the officers decided to set a portable tape recorder 18 inches from the police radio so they could record their conversation with lucky and hopefully catch the sound if it did happen again so lucky would then dangle his cb mic out of the window to um you know try to get a a better i don't know angle whatever you know get a little bit closer uh, to try to catch the sound again, and at this time the police officers drove decided to drive to a nearby bluff to get an even better view. So then about uh, 26 minutes after the initial, you know, sighting at 4.03, at 4.29 a.m., the, the light emitted the strange sound again, and Lucky actually caught it on his mic. And this was then recorded onto the tape recorder that I had previously said that they had, you know, put about 18 inches away so that they could, you know, record anything and have proof afterwards. Um, so recorded onto the tape by the police officers. Um. They uh, a little sometime later, they actually would have the sound analyzed by acoustical experts. But the acoustical experts were puzzled, could not figure out what the sound was. Um, If you're interested, you can actually uh, hear the sound and the conversation and everything between police officers and Lucky on YouTube. And the title of the video is St. Helens Police Department Recorded UFO Sound. So any of you that are interested out there, it's... uh, It's, you know, it's not a long, long uh, video or anything. So then at 4.43 AM, having been surrounded by a dense thick fog that rolled over the river in the past few minutes, the light suddenly went out. Uh, Then a strange sound, something like an aircraft flying up and away is heard by the men. Then within 30 seconds, the fog completely dissipated and disappeared and blue sky was shining through no more lights no more sounds and that is the uh the saint helens um sighting
1: i like i like that it was very law enforcement based because that gives it a validity that you don't get in a lot of cases
2: yeah that was that was a big reason i picked it and then um i really liked the fact that it was you know at that at four forty three, this dense fog comes in and it's only there for mm-hmm. two minutes and then you it's you get that sound of the you know like of an airplane or something flying up and away and then the, the fog immediately dissipates like i just found that like just that's something out of a movie or something right there i thought that was uh, that was really cool but yeah like the, like you said the big reason was the uh you know the the police officers it gives it a uh more of a uh, even more validity for some reason, just because they're they, you know, their job and everything. And you couldn't think 1981, and it's you could get mocked, you know, you could be mocked or kind of made fun of. I mean, even to this day, you know, they make fun of people who claim that they were, you know uh people uh you know probed by aliens or stuff like that so in 1981 that's kind of almost a ballsy thing for a cop to be admitting admitting this and stuff but then you know two other cops came and they're they're hearing and seeing the same thing so it's um and it seems like there was quite a few few witnesses not only in oregon but over the over the uh the border in washington so I found it to be very. It was very fun, sort of interesting. Uh, one and and I thought was cool too is the amount of time that it happened. Usually, it's a lot of a lot of these sightings are like, "Oh yeah, I saw a light, and then it flew up and took off." This was yeah. o- over, almost over the course of a whole hour. It's like forty forty minutes or so, 40, 40, 40 to forty five minutes that from the initial sound until, you know, everything's gone. So I thought that was pretty interesting as well.
1: I like that there's so much meat to the story too. Like there's, there's just so many, there's so much to it. And the fact that it was close to an hour is, is so rare. I I think the next longest one we've seen was what, like around 20 ish minutes. If that, if I remember correctly, it was not very long. Yeah, you have almost an hour,
2: yeah yeah i thought it it was a cool one oregon was very very fun it was uh it was like like very i don't know fortuitous that that was our first episode coming back because it was just there was so much and it was just a really really good uh way to start the season
1: so while we're still in oregon yeah um you had said that one of the ones that you were thinking about doing was the black Eyed Children yes now i uh have been just like mad googling because i know i've heard about them in other states and they are in other states supposedly yes. um virginia texas um and a couple of other ones but um i actually just stumbled upon claims in staffordshire which is in the uk
2: Ooh. okay so,
1: I feel like maybe sometime in the future we can dedicate a little bit of time to the Black Eyed Children.
2: Yes, definitely. Because uh, it is like what I read about the ones, at least from Oregon, and like you are right, that they, um, in other states, there's they're either mentioned or if there's versions of them, these types of, uh, you know, uh, so it, it, this one, there wasn't a ton of stuff but it was cool what what people claim so all right cool that's uh very cool to know that we will good chance we'll be talking about them in the future
1: oh i feel it come <laughs> <laughs> all right well do you have anything else for me that, today
2: Nope that's it
1: all right well everybody thank you again for joining us for our first episode of season three. We're so glad you're still sticking around for some reason and listening to us, but we're really glad you're here. Um, Make sure to tune in next week when we set up Camp in Vermont. Until then, happy camping.
0: Thanks, guys. As always, our hosts would like to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at scareyourpantsoffpod no spaces or on Twitter scareyourpantsoffpodcast or send us an email with questions comments and fan art to scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail. See you next time.